Reporting from the racing capital of the world, Speedway, Indiana, my name is Nick Sturgeon, your host. Thank you for listening to episode number 56 of the Cyber.Now podcast, the number one spot for learning about tech, cybersecurity, politics, and policy. I want to thank our show sponsor, Delta Research. I cannot thank them enough for their support. I also want to thank the folks at Cybertech Midwest Conference, and more so just the the full Cybertech Conference folks, Julia, Gall, Amir, for having this show become an official sponsor to the Cybertech Midwest Conference. Super thankful, very cool, I'm able to do that. So huge, huge shout out to the Cybertech Midwest folks. The conference is coming up this Wednesday and Thursday, the 24th and 25th. If you are into cybersecurity or technology or business, doesn't matter. Get out there. Go buy your tickets. There's some discount codes out there as well. Go. At least come check it out for the first day. And if you come the first day, you want to stay for the second day. I'm sure of it. So, again, thanks, everybody, at Cybertech Midwest Conference. Thanks to Doug Rapp for helping facilitate that. Super excited to be a media partner for the conference. I also want to thank all of you who are listening to this episode right now for taking time out of your day. Time is the one resource that we do not get back and are not guaranteed. I really appreciate you spending that valuable resource on this podcast. For those of you who are first-time listeners, thank you for tuning in. It is my goal to keep you coming around week in and week out. If you are a returning listener, your continued support is very much appreciated. Outside of listening, I ask only a couple of simple things, and that's if you find this show's content valuable, and I hope you do. And it is my goal to make sure you find this content valuable, but go share the show with your network. You know, that's your friends and your family and your co-workers. Subscribe rate, review, and lastly, go sign up for my mailing list at cybernowpod.com for all the latest news, insights, and behind-the-scenes information. All right, we're just going to jump right into it. And it took off like that. A viral sensation in a matter of hours on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and who knows how many other social media platforms were being flooded with computer-manipulated photos of people, you know, 10 years or more younger, all the way up to 100 years old. The photos were being included with the hashtag FaceApp. This was just the latest in a series or series of social media challenges to take off like wildfire. Sure, who wouldn't want to see how they look when they are 100 years old? At first glance, this seems harmless enough. Upload a photo and a few seconds of processing time later, and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, comes out a photo that looks 100% real. None of that kindergarten Photoshop whack-looking stuff. These images are stunningly real. It's spooky how real these images look. Being a tech geek, this is really cool stuff to me. Now, because technology has progressed to be able to take a photo of a person taken mere seconds before or prior, for this person to be able to run it through this software application, through an algorithm, the processing, and out comes this realistic aged or unaged photo of that person. Now, this is also really scary. 
in the age of disinformation and allegations against Russia or who knows what other country out there who are meddling in our election, but mainly Russia that we know of, bot farms, fake reviews, and fake news. How can you trust anything that you read or even see on the internet? The news about the privacy and security concerns came out almost immediately. I first saw it coming out early afternoon, July 17th. Now, again, if you haven't been in a cave, and at least from what I saw on my social media feeds, this actually started becoming popular late on July 16th. Now, this first article I saw was it came around, oh, 12 or so in the afternoon, at least when I um, was doing some uh, perusing through the interweb, seeing what was trending. And even before that, I was thinking about, man, what are the issues with everybody doing this? I mean, it was viral. One of the quickest things to go viral that I've seen in a while. After thinking about it and, and also then reading the article from the New York Post, I was like, man, I got to get this out. So I put it out on the Facebook's, uh, my the show's Facebook page and about these concerns and say, listen, folks, you may want to you know, think about what you do before you just start taking the picture and posting out there. Let me get to the article here from the Times or the Post, sorry. It begins the eerie Facebook app photo filter, which uses AI to digitally age your face, has gone viral with millions on social media sharing the their sagging similar crumb, including celebs such as Drake and the Jonas Brothers and Kevin Hart. Funny dude. That's my commentary, not the New York Post. However, experts warn that the free, quote, aid, old age filter included in 2017 by developers at Wireless Lab in St. Petersburg, Russia, poses security concerns that may give them access to your personal information. The Russian app is one of the most downloaded across the globe with fans on social media using the hashtag FaceAppChallenge to share their results. The tool augments your face to look double or triple your current age with wrinkles, sagging, and yellow teeth, and also allows you to look younger, swap genders, and try out a beard. But be warned, Face app, which you grant permission to access as your photo gallery, also includes in or includes in their terminal or ugh, terms and conditions. Apologize for that. That they have the right to modify, reproduce, and publish any of the images you possess through its AI, and that's artificial intelligence. That means your face could end up being commercialized or worse. UK-based digital security or strategist James Watley said on Twitter, quote, You grant FaceApp a perpetual, irrevocable, royalty-free license to use, adapt, publish, distribute your user content in all media formats when you post or otherwise share. That means they can also use your real name your username, or any likenesses provided in any format without notifying, much less paying you. They can retain that material as long as they want, even after you delete the app, and you won't be able to stop them. Even those who set their Apple iOS photo permissions to never, 
as TechCrunch points out, are not protected against the terms. Security expert Ariel Hogstad told Daily Mail that hackers who are not infrequently agents of the Russian government can log the websites visited, quote, the activities they perform in those websites, quote, though they may not know the identity of the person being tracked. But when we also give them access to your photos, or, or phone's camera, they can, quote, secretly, secretly record someone who could be a target or prosecuted member of society such as, or says Hallstatt, such as a young gay person, which I don't know why they need to put that in there, but anyway. Now the hackers and Russian's government, by proxy, can cross-reference your face and phone information with the websites you're using. Hockstock continues, quote, they also know who the image is with the huge database they created of Facebook account and accounts and faces, and the data that they have on that person is both private and accurate to the name, city, and other details found on Facebook, end quote. Even if hackers aren't exactly working with the Russian government, says Hochstadt, quote, with so many breaches, they can get information and hack cameras that are out there and be able to create a database of people all over the world with the information these people didn't imagine is collected on them. Eventually, technology expert Steve Samar, let me get the last name, Sam Martino, believes your face will also be used to cross or access even more uh, critical private information such as banking credentials. Quote, your face is now a form of copyright where you need to be really careful who you give permission to access your biometric data, he tells journalist Ben Fordham. Quote, if you start using that willy-nilly in the future when we're using our face to access things like our money and credit cards, then what we've done is handed the keys to others. And that ends the article. Now here in Indy, the local Fox affiliate, Fox 59, had a segment on this issue. They brought in a Purdue cybersecurity expert, Dr. Kate Siegfried Speller, on to talk about the concerns from her perspective. I know Dr. Kate personally, and she raises some good points. So I'm going to play the segment here right now. Yeah, do you know how you'll look when you turn 80 years old or how you'll look as a different gender? Well, there's an app for that, and the funny results, they've been popping up everywhere on social media, but it's also bringing up some privacy concerns. That's right. Fox 59's Darius Johnson tells us what users are giving up in exchange for these images. The app launched years ago, but just resurfaced in the past couple of days, becoming a trend on social media. Everyone is putting in their pictures to see what they look like with a full beard or with a couple of years on them, including myself. But social media experts are warning you to be careful. Scrolling down your social media timeline, you might think you're at a nursing home. Yeah, I mean, it's gone viral, so I know a lot of people that have used it. According to App Annie, FaceApp is the top-rated app in the App Store in 121 countries. 100 million people have downloaded it on Google Play. I got it because I just thought it was funny because everybody had them, so I thought it'd be funny to see. I personally haven't used it just because I've heard from family members that they can get access to your personal information. That's the biggest concern. Dr. Catherine Speller at Purdue. Purdue University says the app is ran by Russian developers, but the server is housed in the United States. 
concern anytime that you download a new app, um, what the terms and conditions say. In FaceApp's terms and conditions, you are agreeing to give the company access to use, adapt, or publish that photo. I obviously did not read the terms and conditions because does anybody really read the terms and conditions? You just click accept and go to It's not that the uh, Russian company or this app specifically has access to our photo gallery, but instead what is really concerning is that um, any time that you upload an image to be analyzed, it is analyzed to the server, which means it's going to be in the cloud. But there are some on high alert after learning about the potential involvement Russia had in the presidential election. I think historically, uh, especially with the, the past election, I think that there has been a concern about the role that Russia has played and, um, and how much data they really do have on individuals and specifically um, their ability to People. Dr. Speller says regardless, people need to be aware of the apps they are downloading and the access they're providing people to their phones. But I realize that no one's going to read that uh, very long legal document, and so I think the best thing to do is um, do a little research before you download something. Darius Johnson, Fox 59 News. Now, one of the things that is of interest to me is that this Face app has been around for a couple of years now. Why the sudden resurgence of the app and why now? If the app has been around for this long and two years in the tech industry is forever ago, why did it just take off now and become popular like it did? This is a question that I have not seen many people talk about. Part of it is the social dynamics for what makes things like this app go viral and it is super fascinating to me it isn't that i think there's some nefarious plot that caused it going out though there are examples of uh, these bot farms in china and some other asian and asian pacific countries that they're just randomly going through and doing fake reviews and a whole bunch of other stuff could it be that possibly don't really have enough information to say one way or another. But regardless, again, I'm just super curious on why now. Is it some Russian plot trying to get information on us prior to the election? Is it just that the timing's right, there's a lull in the news or culture and society is just at a point where it's, oh, I want to see how I look when I'm 100 years old. I don't know. Again, super, super fascinating to me nonetheless. But who is this company? Well, according to an article I found on Global Post, and let me get over to that, it says, who is the person behind Wireless Lab? Yaroslav Gond, and I'm not even gonna even attempt to pronounce the last name, I'm just horrible with the Russian pronunciations. Goncharov, G-O-N-C-A-R-O-V, who showed the users how they are going to age, grew up in Russia, St. Petersburg, where he studied at the Academic Gymnasium of St. Petersburg State University, formerly known as the Physics and Mathematics Boarding School No. 45. Upon finishing school, he enrolled into St. Petersburg State University's Faculty of Mathematics and Mechanics as a second-year student Goncharov was already working full time. Later, he would fly to the United States for work, where he received an offer from Microsoft 
He stayed with the company for two years. Quote, I worked at Microsoft in Redmond, U.S., and in the evenings I wrote code for a bot with whom one could play poker. The neural network was only a small evaluative part of this bot at the time. There were no ways to create a solution entirely based on neural networks, end quote. And this was a quote from him in 2017. Quote, after that, I worked on several projects related in-depth training on a project related to speech analysis. And about a year ago in 2016, I decided to use this progressive technology for photo processing. This is how FaceApp came out, end quote. In 2006, he became a co-founder of SBP Software Mobile App Company, where he held the position of technical director. In 2011, SB, or SPB Software was bought out by Yandex, a Russian multinational, multinational corporation specializing in internet-related products and services. The deal was worth $38 million U.S. dollars. After leaving Yandex in 2013, he created Wireless Lab. Quote, FaceApp was born at the junction of the two important trends. The first is the ever-growing value of photos and video. There is an opinion that stories from Snapchat, Instagram, and other analogs will soon kill news feeds like Twitter. Facebook is already moving in that direction. End quote. And he told this to Aficia two years ago. Quote, the second trend is neural networks. That's what they call the simplified analog of the human brain implemented in computer code. To create it, they built a huge network of software simulations of neurons and synapses capable of analyzing and storing information. Such technologies underlie machine learning, artificial intelligence, cybernetics, and much more. I have been doing this for quite some time now. I trained the first neural network about 10 years ago, go, end quote. In 2018, Wire Slabs moved from St. Petersburg to Skolkov and, quote, Innovation City near Moscow that is often presented at, as Russia's Silicon Valley. Skolkov was first announced in 20, or 2009 by then-President Dmitry Media our Medvedev, God, and again, I apologize. These names are just ridiculous for me to pronounce. In addition, the company reportedly has an office in Wellington, North Carolina, and FaceApp Inc. is registered there. According to Gonchcharov, the trends we are seeing now is just the beginning, and given the speed of technology development, the potential for newer networks is limitless. So the next section in this article is titled, Should You Stop Using FaceApp? Among the many privacy concerns regarding FaceApp is the that it uploads users' photos to the cloud instead of processing them on the device. Another one is how long the company holds onto photos. Quote, we only upload a photo selected by a user for editing. We never transfer any other images from the phone to the cloud, Wireless Lab told TechCrunch. Quote, we might store an uploaded photo in the cloud. The main reason for that is performance and traffic. Most images are deleted from our servers within 48 hours from the upload date. 
The company insists that it does not sell or share any of the user data with third parties, and it accepts requests from users for removing their data from its server, but its support team is currently overloaded. Despite reassuring words from the mar makers, Tiffany Lee, a technology attorney and legal scholar who is a postdoctoral fellow at Yale Law School's Information Society Project, said users should rather be worried about the overall privacy protection model. Quote, stop using FaceApp because there are no controls on how your face data is used, but also walking around anywhere can get your face included in facial recognition databases. So stop going outside. The privacy concerns, uh, pr privacy protection model doesn't work, she wrote on Twitter. Now, this is an interesting point, and I've talked about it a little bit on previous episodes, at least here in the U.S., You've got the FBI and DHS and Custom and Border Patrol that are storing these facial recognition databases, and it has raised some major privacy concerns. Also, Fourth and Fifth Amendment issues as well. And on top of that, as we've talked about on the show in a previous episode, that the Custom and Border Protection Agency had a database of theirs with facial recognition images compromised not too long ago. So, I mean, it, it's scary stuff. So looking at the terms of service for the FaceApp, quote, you grant FaceApp a perpetual, irrevocable, non-exclusive, royalty-free, worldwide, fully paid, transferable, sub-licensable, license to use, rep reproduce, modify, adapt, publish, translate, Create derivative works from distribute, publicly perform, and display your user content in any name, usernames, or likenesses provided in connection with your user content in all media formats and channels now known or later developed without compensation to you when you post or otherwise share user content on or through our services. You understand that your user content and any associated information, information such as your username, location, or profile photo will be visible to the public. That's scary stuff. As has already been mentioned in that article from The Globe, The New York Times, or The New York Post. Why do I keep wanting to call it The New York Times? New York Post, New York Post, New York Post. <laughs> Even though they say that they're when you only upload a selected photo for editing, and I think it, the quote was only uploaded a photo selected by a user for editing, we never transfer any other images from the phone to cloud. How do we know that that's the case? And how do we know that they're deleting those images or other data associated that, with that photo, all the metadata, in that time frame? As the article mentioned, the the tech department responsible for that is overworked. They're overloaded. Now we look at Facebook and Google and they're selling our information, they're storing our information, but how can we actually trust these folks to do what they say they're going to do? When you agree to their terms of service, we're basically giving them full access. Well, not basically we are, but we have no way to find redress or if something happens. I mean, just giving them a blank check to do whatever they want with our images. 
Now, we're partially at fault because we just aimlessly run, download these apps, pop our photos and other information in them, and don't really think about the consequences of our actions. Just as the one gal said in the Fox 59 video, well, I just did it because everybody else was doing it. Now, I remember as a kid, my mom saying, well, you wouldn't go jumping off of a bridge just because your friends did it right. And I really do think that's kind of a, a similar thing here. We are going and jumping off the bridge because our friends are doing it. Unfortunately, we know what happens when somebody jumps off a bridge. Nothing good. And the same thing can be said here. But what can we do about it? Is there anything that we can do to make sure that our personal information is safe? Because once we give it up, once it's out of our control, we are basically losing that ability to really do anything about it. Now, one of the things that came out of this, and I saw a former coworker of mine post an article about this issue on his Facebook page. And I commented on it, and really it was just to do a shameless plug for the show. But anyway, one of his contacts responded back, and, and I'll go through the short conver conversation here, and I won't use this guy's real name. So friend says, Nick Sturgeon, you're already are exposed and have been for the last 14 years. That's just for Facebook. Where else have you used your face as a profile pic? The horse has left the barn. I just want to keep going, coming up with these cliches of it's too late to worry about this now. I responded, so-and-so, I agree. My point is that people rush into these challenges and don't stop to think about the consequences before jumping in. It is the proverbial jumping off the bridge because your friends are. Friend responds back, Nick Sturgeon, the time to think about those things for most people were more than a decade ago. Back then, we had no idea what posting our pictures on social media would lead to. Now, we here we are, over a decade later, and our thousands of pictures floating around the web with our names tagged to them and no real way to reverse the damage. Giving a few more pictures to the app while you're having some fun just the proverbial drop in a thousand gallon bucket. Me, friend, fair point, but regardless, it's still a concern and people still need to be mindful and as the kids say, be woke to it. I personally don't take the position of, well, they already have it, there's nothing I can do about it, so let's just keep adding more and more data, giving it up more and more of our privacy and security. I don't take a defeatist attitude towards it. And he responds, Nick Sturgeon, it's not defeatist, it's reality. Well, I personally think this guy is wrong. Just because it's reality now doesn't mean we cannot change that reality. From a data analytics perspective, the more data you have, the more connections and better, no pun intended, picture you can create. So, in fact, the more data we're giving these companies to feed their algorithms gives them a bigger and clearer picture to know us better and better. So, what can we do about it? One, we all need not to rush into these apps without understanding what we are getting into. I, for one, have not and will not partake in these type of challenges or downloading an app without understanding what accesses 
I'm giving up to these apps on my phone. And just like it pointed out in the terms of services, it may be in perpetuity that I'm giving them access and rights to whatever data I collect or whatever data they collect from me and I give up to them. In some cases, if you really, really want to play that game or really, really want to see what you look like when you're 100 years old, then go ahead. By all means, give them that photo. Give them the rights to do whatever they want with the photo without paying you. Just because everybody else is looking at it. And it may just be me. I've never really been one to say, well, all the cool kids are doing it. Well, then I should do it because I want to be cool too. Sorry if I wanted to be popular and I wanted to be cool. I would have become a firefighter and not a police officer. So please, I beg you, just don't go following the rest of the world while they're jumping off the bridge just because they think it's cool. You really do have to think about the consequences. As I tell my kids, before you go doing something, Think about the consequences of your actions. And those consequences can be positive or negative. But just think about it. Don't just go following the, the horde of zombies because they're going in whatever direction. Don't be a zombie, folks. Be a thinking, cognizant person. And you just may be able to retain some privacy and some security in your lives. It's your responsibility. At the end of the day, not these companies, and it's sure as heck not the government's responsibility. Okay, folks, that's it for this week's show. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to our sponsor, Delta Research, for supporting the show. And again, thanks to the folks at Cybertech Conference and Cybertech Midwest. Again, the Cybertech Midwest Conference 2019 is this week, the 24th and 25th. I hope to see you there. Again, if you want to join in on the conversation, go to the show's webpage at cybernowpod.com. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. It's Facebook slash cybernowpod and at cybernowpod on Twitter. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Polititech or email me at nick at thepolititech.com. Finally, if you think this show is worthy, go to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform to subscribe, rate, review, and don't forget to share the show. If you guys do all of that, I will be back again next week to do this thing once more. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. And actually, before I go, I'm hoping to have a really special guest on the podcast this week, as I will be recording at least one of the two days at Cybertech. I hope to be able to spend some time with Lindsay Marie from townhall.com looking forward to a conversation with her anyway thanks guys and gals and we'll talk to you soon bye-bye